Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey there, I'm Joel uh, the Breeze Man and uh, Mike the Cap. Kapler is with me. It's Growing in Grace and we're getting ready to uh, talk some more about the words of Jesus and, you know, some of the things that Jesus said. We, we look at the words in red, you know, Cap, we've got these red letter versions of the Bible uh, that have uh, all the words of Jesus are printed in red. And so uh, we look at those and we think, all right, Jesus said it. Uh, that settles it. That's what we need to do. And as we've been uh, discussing for the last couple of weeks, Cap, especially as we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we've kind of discovered that sometimes some of the things that Jesus said weren't necessarily written for us. As Christians, perhaps they were written to those who were under the law. In fact, a lot of the words of Jesus uh, were spoken to people who were under the law, Jewish people who were under the law. They, he, they weren't spoken to Christians, and as we've pretty much uh, come to the conclusion of Cap, um, they were spoken not as Christian teachings, but as things that led up to the cross, things that Jesus spoke under the law to those under the law uh, for a, sp- a specific reason and purpose. And if people want to go back and listen to those last couple programs, we I think it would re- be really great because we're going to use those as a foundation to get into some of the other things that we're going to say today, Cap. Well, we in the in the past four plus years, Joel, not too often have we said go back and listen to the last program or two. Um, but as you said, I, I would recommend going and catching the last two programs even before you catch this one. It will make more sense to you, and it's really important because what we talked about in the last two programs with Jesus in the beginning of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount the misunderstandings that have taken place from these passages of Scripture, thinking that Jesus was talking to us personally when he was really teaching the Jewish people back then what the law really revealed and and what was required if you wanted to try to get to God through works, through trying to keep the law. It It was just astronomical expectations that nobody could keep. And so understanding that is really important. It's an important foundation because, you see, if we misunderstand the beginning of uh, these four uh, books that we refer to as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if, if, if everything that we start to believe that Jesus said is built on the wrong foundation, it's got the wrong premise, then from here on in, through the rest of the New Testament, we begin to view uh, the words of the New Testament and the New Covenant through the wrong set of eyes, and our understanding gets goofed up. So we've had a lot of really neat programs, I think, over the years, but I think going back and listening to these last two is really going to help you begin to see the Bible, especially the the New Covenant, in in a different light than what you saw it before. And that's so important. And and Joel, if I can just refer to something that I don't think we referred to, uh, even before the the so-called Sermon on the Mount and the Uh, sometimes referred to as the Beatitudes section, Um, Jesus made a statement to to the people under the Old Covenant. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many times would I hear somebody say, Oh, I'm just so hungry, I'm so thirsty for more. Uh, You know, let's hunger and thirst after righteousness. But later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus gave us a little glimpse of, uh, of what would happen here under the new covenant and he said in John 6:35, I am the bread of life he who comes to me 
shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So again, under the old covenant, we would hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now that we have become one in Christ, we have become righteous. We no longer have to hunger or thirst after we come to Christ and, and to the saving knowledge that this this gospel has provided for us. It has already provided us righteousness to, to the ones who believe. Yeah, indeed. If we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, <laughs> we've really missed the point of Jesus coming and dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And us, having been on the cross there with him, as Galatians 2.19 says, we died uh, with Christ. You know, we, we died, Galatians 2.19 and 20, and, and our life is no longer our life, but it's Christ in us, because we were on that cross with Christ, and we rose together with him, and uh, we received the gift of God's righteousness. And so if we're hungering and thirsting for it, then we've missed all of that. I just wanted to get back to something you had, uh, you know, had said. You know, if we start with the wrong premise, uh, everything else is going to be wrong from that point on. And I, you know, I'm reminded of a, of a story. Um, someone I knew in a in an internet chat uh, group one time from Australia, and uh, he had ordered some CDs uh, from a different country. He didn't say what country it was, but he had ordered these CDs, and he, and as part of his address, he wrote NSW comma Australia. And so uh, the person in the other country at the postal office, or, or the person pack, I, I should say, the person packaging the CDs at the warehouse or whatever, uh, he interpreted, he took the liberty to interpret what NSW meant, and so he wrote on the package, North Southwest, North Southwest Australia. Now, if you think about that, Cap, if you really just take a couple seconds, what in the world is North Southwest? I mean. I've never heard of that term. I've looked on my compass. I see north, northwest, and you know things like that. But, but anyway, somehow, eventually, this package did get into the right hands. Got to the, uh, got into the hands of the man who who had ordered them in Australia, in New South Wales, Australia. Had absolutely nothing to do with north, south, or west. <laughs> but there was a bit of a problem with getting the package because, in the first place. The NSW had been interpreted wrong. And so, really, if we start with the wrong premise uh, that we're sending our CDs to north-southwest Australia, we're going to get things mixed up. But uh, as you're saying with all these things, if we miss the point of, of what Jesus is saying and of what, you know, of what the purpose of the new covenant is and, and what these words of Jesus are, we're going to, you know, if we start off with that wrong foundation, that wrong prom, pr the wrong premise, then everything following that is going to be on the wrong track. And so we're trying to hopefully help, help people to get on the right track with understanding some of the words that Jesus said. And, and as you said, we started with the Sermon on the Mount the last couple weeks, and we'll move on to some other things as well this week. Well, let's look at some examples. Some of these we've talked about before. Some things that we'll probably talk about we, we haven't really uh, addressed very much. Um, let's talk about uh, the Good Samaritan, Joel. The story of the Good Samaritan, the most common interpretation or application that is often heard in the Good Samaritan, at least over the years that I've heard it preached, most likely uh, the message was that we should become Good Samaritans. That That's the point of the story, right? We should become... Good Samaritans. When the point of the story, again, looking at it through the right set of eyes, uh, the point of the story isn't that we ought to try to become anything. All right, it's about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Good Samaritan in the story, and we were the one who was um, laying down on the side of the road, 
We were broken, beaten, bleeding. And I think it's interesting that the people who came along to help, to me, seemed to, to represent or symbolize religion and the law. They weren't of any help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, uh, if you read beforehand, you know, why did Jesus even uh, give this parable? What, what, what happened that, made him, that caused him to go into this story? <laughs> and we've got a case of a person that's identified as a certain lawyer. A certain lawyer comes to Jesus, and the Bible says that this man stood up and tested him, tested Jesus, and he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so uh, we know um, now that to inherit eternal life, we could never follow any law. No law is ever going to help us to obtain eternal life, to inherit eternal life. But here's how Jesus responded to the man. He responded, uh, he said, uh, well, you know the laws, you know, which, you know, what, what's your reading of the laws? And the man said, well, you shall love the Lord your God, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, do this, and you shall live. Okay, so he gives him two laws, telling him that if he does these things, these laws, he shall live. And so Jesus followed up, or the band followed up, uh, speaking to Jesus and the Bible says the man was seeking to justify himself, and he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So in other words, I get this picture of a man who says, all right, okay, uh, I'm supposed to love God, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. All right, Jesus, who is my neighbor then? And so Jesus gives the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you follow that story through, of course, we find out that our neighbor is everybody. And as you were saying, Cap, Jesus is the only one who has ever lived out that story. You know, he is the one who was the good Samaritan. He is the one who who cared for the person and, and did everything right in that story. And yeah, if Jesus' love is in our hearts, we'll reach out to other people in that way. But that's not the point of the story. <laughs> the point wasn't, here's the way to live the Christian life. That wasn't the point of the story. The point was, as you, as you said, Cap, that Jesus is of the Good Samaritan, and really he he gave that story to the man in response to the man trying to justify himself by his works. Well, and isn't that interesting? I mean, you, you hit it all on the head there. Uh, what shall I do? Well, uh, the only way to do is to try to keep the law, which nobody can, and that's what, again, Jesus is trying to lift up the law to help people understand the, the true nature of their sinfulness and, and to lead them to a Savior. And, and again, in the story, the Levite and the priest representing the law and, and religion were not able to help the broken, bleeding person laying along the side of the road, which was us. Jesus was the Good Samaritan. He's the one who, who was able to provide the help where law and religion could not. It's just uh, interesting, though, when we look at it through the wrong set of eyes, like what we were talking about before, these stories, uh, often we try to make ourselves the centerpiece of the story. Um, when it should be, most of the time, generally speaking, it should be Jesus, the, the center of the story, or God himself. Um, another one we've talked about, Joel, is the Pearl of Great Price. I don't know if we're going to have time for that one. <laughs> well, yes, Bulls, we got a couple minutes here. We could just real quickly, uh, since these are short little parables, just go through them real quickly. And the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And right after that, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one 
pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's in Matthew 13. And, you know, uh, yeah, indeed, if, if we're trying to make ourselves the hero of the story, as you were talking about, Cap, then we're going to look at this uh, with the wrong set of eyes again and say, okay, so Jesus is this wonderful treasure hidden in a field. Jesus is this pearl of great price. We need to go sell all we have so that we can buy Jesus. We need to go sell all that we have so we can purchase this wonderful pearl of great price, this wonderful treasure hidden in the field. And uh, we look at the rest of the Scripture, the New Testament Scripture, and we understand that we can't do a thing to earn Jesus or to buy Jesus. It's the other way around, isn't it, Cap? (laughs) Yeah, the The pearl was bought by the one who ended up with it. Obviously, you and I didn't pay anything to have salvation through Christ. It's a free gift. On the other hand, we know that Jesus did pay everything for us, uh, to have us. So you are the pearl of great price, not Jesus. Again, the story is about his goodness buying us and not us uh, or not our, our goodness trying to seek him out. Yeah, that's right, Cap. And in those stories, in those parables, the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field, we seem to put the focus on the wrong person. And next week, we're going to look at another story, another parable in which we tend to put the focus on the wrong person. It's commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. And of course, the focus always gets put on the prodigal son. But we're wondering if that really is where the focus should be. We'll talk about that next week on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard weekly on Gracewalk Internet Radio and other online sources around the world. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.